Yes, yes, yes. Okie dokie. Ready? I am ready. Awesome. Okay. Welcome back, everybody, to the Boston with Rawson podcast. I'm your host, Devin Rawson. Today, I'm in the studio with the visionary Dr. Christine West. Dr. West is the principal and chief psychology officer of Business MD. Their purpose is to advance human effectiveness by increasing the awareness of their clientele to their impact. Across the U.S., Dr. West has coached, consulted, and worked with professionals and emerging businesses of all sizes and industries, from solopreneurs, Fortune 100 companies, health and wellness, construction, hospitality, IT, real estate, government, and much more. Today, Dr. West is going to tell you, dear listener, about how she became the business MD. She's also going to tell us more about the importance of emotional intelligence and how to cope with stress and anxiety as an entrepreneur. Thanks for joining us today, Christine. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, how about you give us a quick rundown on what exactly Business MD is and what you kind of do? The simplest part of the Business MD today is helping business owners be better leaders and create an environment that brings out the best in people. It's awesome. that simple. Sweet. Yeah. So you, you just kind of go and coach different businesses and things like that? Coach, train, do speaking engagements. You know, sometimes, you know, we have to look, leaders, whether they like it or not, mm-hmm. need to look at how they're showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Not just managing their team, but how they're managing themselves. And Correct. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, first question I want to ask you is kind of what led you to psychology in the first place? Great question. I never, ever, ever thought I would be. <laughs> you know, studying psychology and speaking in psychological language. But for me, my first career, I never really had purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. It was more of a job. Yeah. And it was, I make money. And that was really about it. And, but there was a pattern in every corporation I ever worked for. And the pattern was folks at the top, leaders at the top, they made foolish decisions. Yeah. And then those foolish decisions trickled down to the front line where I was at. And the front line paid for those decisions, such as layoffs or needing to, you know, chaos, stress. And this went over on and on and on, you know, from corporation to corporation I worked for. So how I got into this, I never, ever, ever, you know, it wasn't something I dreamt of when I was a little kid or, you know, sometimes kids have these, you know, I want to be this when I grow up. That was not me. How I got into it was in 2001, there was a lot going on in the world and especially in the tech world. And in the tech world, all of a sudden, which I was working for Cisco Systems, which is on top of the food chain, the, the technology company. Yeah. And if everybody remembers, if you had stocks, that all of a sudden the perception of the stock, which is psychological, the perception of the stock, all of a sudden plummeted. Yeah. It was no longer holding its value. Well, you can only imagine being on the inside of everybody was filthy rich on paper. And when people lose their money, they lose their, I was about to say a swear word, but they lose, yeah, their, yeah, they lose their shit. <laughs> yeah, okay? they lose their shit. Okay. And, and the deal was, is that everybody who was your best buddy the day before was no longer, was cutthroat. Now your competition. Your competition. Yeah. Okay. Because they never laid anybody off. Well, what was happening in me was I gave so much 
to this company, like most people do, when you, you fall in love with working for some place. We spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Well, I got tired of drinking the Kool-Aid. And because I gave so much time and energy to, to this company and my work, I didn't pay attention to anything what else. else. Was going yeah, on. what else is going on? Yeah. So I didn't know that my personal life was falling apart too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I discovered it was, and I was completely embarrassed. I didn't have the confidence I have today about explaining it or sharing it or speaking about emotions. So I took a time out of work. And I came up to Alaska for an adventure vacation, and I went mountaineering for a week. And changing that environment, if you remember what I said, you know, about creating an environment brings out the best in people. Well, this environment, everything I knew didn't apply to a mountaineering environment. I grew up in Chicago. I didn't know how to climb a mountain. (laughs) I didn't know mountaineering skills. I didn't know. I was very similar to the howls on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. My money meant nothing in this environment. Mm-hmm. But I had to learn how to be a better human being. And on the last day of my journey, I was in base camp all by myself, waiting for a commuter plane. The rest of the group was climbing another mountain. And I had this major spiritual awakening. And the spiritual awakening, it was as though me and God had this uh, moment. It was more like a Morpheus moment of the green or the blue pill, the red pill. Yeah. And it was it showed me a vision of what I was here for. And it was as though in my consciousness, I was above every problem I ever had. Yeah. I knew the solution. I had a superpower. And all I was excited. Dots connected. Yeah, everything yeah. connected. And I knew how to solve all my issues in a nanosecond. And I said, yes, I want to do this. And so I wrote down everything that I heard in in my journal because I really had nothing else to do. I was complete. I was in an environment where (laughs) the divine had my attention. And the commuter plane came, and I ended up staying in Alaska a month longer than planned. And when I returned to my home in Chicago at that time, I realized I outgrew everything that was familiar. So the birth of the business MD came with realizing that once I was right with, I was beginning to let go of what no longer was applying to my world or what no longer, you know, gave fulfillment or conditioning. All of a sudden I was, had the superpower. Yeah. And it was a superpower to be authentic. And it was a power that all of a sudden I said, well, why I'm sure other people would want this. They how want do to, I share this? Yeah, how do I yeah. share this? How do I teach this? And that's how it started. That's what brought you to psychology. It was just yeah. kind of you yeah. know, having that spiritual awakening. Yeah, the spiritual awakening and saying, I want to help people. Hmm. I want to help people be their best. And we spend so much time at work, you might as well be happy at it. Yeah. So you obviously have a, a PhD Um once you get back to Chicago, kind of what's your next step after that? How do you kind of start down that path of, you know, going to school? Were you going to school already? No, no, no. I literally, I uh, knew I had messes to clean up. Yeah. I had to, I, I had properties to sell. I had relationships to end. Yeah. I had all kinds of things I needed to find. Kind of loose ends to tie up. Yeah, all these loose ends to tie up. And, and then it was putting my, setting my intentions with my goals, 
not knowing how it exactly was going to happen, but taking aligned action towards my goals and realizing that how all this magic started happening because I was so crystal clear about where I was going. And I knew that I wanted to start the business MD, but I didn't want to do it in the environment that knew me as who I was. Yeah. Because I knew that that would hold me into that place. I would go back to who I was or I'd have a harder time. And so for me, just everything lined up. And I, by the end of 2001, I was in Alaska. Hmm. And how I started studying psychology was because when you're focused and you know what your purpose is and you know what you're going to do, um, I I had this divine mission to lead. So then things just started unfolding as far as ads on the on the radio started happening. You start, start the seed, more yeah, different yeah, things, yeah. more dots would pop up. Yeah, and pop then you up. would connect them to the yeah. other dots you already had. Yeah. yeah, and then I just kept, you know, making the moves of saying, okay, people said to me things such as, well, based on my background, which was technology and sales and business, that somebody with that background doesn't get a master's degree in, in psychology. psychology. And I said, well, watch me. Yeah. Okay. And then people said, okay, well, how can you keep doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Watch me. Yeah. Because my mindset. You were just so laser focused yeah, on that thing. I was so clear about what I was here to do. Yeah. And it didn't matter the namesayers. I did not put energy into those people. Yeah. I loved them for who they are, respected them, but I didn't allow them to affect me. To throw you off track. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's a problem a lot of entrepreneurs, myself included. Yeah. Um, you know, being 21 and you know, having a podcast, running a tech consulting company, being a real estate agent. Um, a lot of my friends kind of, I feel like, I don't want to say they're like behind or below me or anything like that, but I feel like they, I'm very dead set on where I want to go and what yeah. I want to do and how I want to do it. And they're kind of like, oh, well, like you're 21, you didn't go to college, and like you'll, you can't start a business. Watch me. Same thing. Yeah, watch you. And so kind of trying to, you know, because they're my friends, I love and care about them, working through kind of all of that and just focusing on building up a network of people who kind of support missions like that, like Justin, um, like the Aspire team, like our BNI group, um, young professionals group, kind of surrounding yourself, like you said, the environment, um, I think is really important. It is. That's kind of the deciding factor between um, whether your business succeeds or fails, right? If I'm surrounded by people who are like, oh, your business sucks, you're never going to do this, oh, how's your little business going? Like, your business, um, if you listen to that all day, it's going to affect you. Even if you don't consciously realize it, it's your, unconsciously, that's what you're seeing. Yeah, exactly. But when you align yourself with that vision, you're seeing, um, I think part of that's your reticular activating system in your brain. Yeah. You're starting to realize, like, oh, you think of a blue car, you see more of a blue car. Right. You focus on the positive, like, hey, I'm going to do this. And there's more opportunities like that. I feel like they were there before, yep. but because you just have this different mindset, you're kind of better able to then capture those opportunities and act exactly. on them. Exactly. It's, like- it's something that, you know, as far as even the question of how yeah. I was so attracted to psychology, because once I understood that once upon a time, and there's still, I mean, I'm not saying you're ever done because we're never done. We're constantly yeah, growing, okay? Always. Is that our unconscious mind holds all this conditioning Mm. and it's really up to us if you don't know how to create change that you want Mm. you know to find somebody to help you to guide you because 
in my particular case of being fascinated by this and knowing what my mission was and falling in love with it, my soul had to be aligned with it. And as much as in the days when I would talk about spirituality and speak about psychological systems in, in business, it was unheard of, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And, and I mean, today, I mean, people, today don't, everybody talks about, everybody talks like about it. Yeah. But as far as, you know, people used to make fun of me, mm-hmm. but I had to go through those doors yeah. because it helped build me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You start to build a foundation uh, upon the bricks that people throw at you and everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, kind of how that, how that works. Um, just in different ways. I feel like a lot of it is just unlearning that that conditioning that we have in our brains. You know, before I was like, oh, like I want to start a business, um, but you know, everybody says it can't be done, so it can't be done. I think a lot of it's just un- unlearning that you know that common knowledge. Like, oh, like it's hard to start a business. I'm like, well, it's also hard to be poor. You know, it's hard to be rich. It's hard to be poor. It's you know, I'd rather work it be hard and be rich. Like you get to pick your heart. I think that's one thing that's really nice about life is it's, you know, Buddhism, Christianity, you know, all of these world religions, you know, teach you that like life is suffering. But the the good part is you get to pick which kind of suffering you want. You can be lazy. You can sit around your couch all day and you have to worry living paycheck to paycheck, or you can, you know, get up off the couch, go to the gym, write out a business plan, right? Like those are all hard things too. But then your end result is a lot better, right? It's, I'm, it's hard and I get to be, in a Lamborghini and sit well, on the bus. Well, you can pick your, your heart, but you yeah. can also reframe that and, and look at it this way. Does it have to be hard? Yeah. Or, or can you reframe it and say, am I looking at it through the lens of my restrictions? Am I looking yeah. at it through the lens of my conditioning? Am I looking at it through the lens of what everybody else told me because I'm looking for their validation? Yeah. Or it, am I coming into my own? And that's why I said of helping people those leaders, business owners understand themselves because if you know yourself, I'm not saying that I don't pay attention to feedback or other things that people say. Of course I do because part of being human, but what I let in and affect me, because if I'm looking for my family or my friends or, you know, the external world's validation, well, that's going to put me in a place where I may start tripping up. Yeah, yeah you're not being authentic to yourself. You're Correct. kind of serving somebody else's mission and Correct. not quite your own. So. Correct. Even if it's for like a, a good cause, right? Like your your friends or your family, everything. You obviously you want them to um, approve of you, anything, but you don't want to sacrifice your own values, your own beliefs, and your own mission to kind of help them achieve right. theirs. Well, here's something that I want to throw in the mix here. Your friends and family and even strangers will start getting on board with your mission the more you fall in love with it yeah. and the more you're doing it yeah. because people want that energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're constantly going, calling up mom, dad, aunts, uncles, cousins, yeah, friends. I'm not too sure about this business thing. Yeah, 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 I'm not too sure. What do you think? What do you think? They're mm-hmm. not your business advisors. Yeah. You know what? They're, they're great people You know, to spend holidays with to have fun with, to laugh, to cry with, but they're also great people to, sh- you know, just for them to vomit their fears on you yeah. and their doubts. Yeah. Maybe you should just get a stable job. Maybe you, like this business thing's kind of hard. Um, you're not like you're working all these hours, but you're not quite getting paid anything like, well, yeah, not yet. Yeah. And we're building the foundation, right? You know, it, 
hopefully, um, you know, with the, contra- the tech consulting company that I run, yeah. um, that was a case with it for a while. You know, I sat and I had all these logos and I'm doing all this work all this time. And then I get my first big contract. I'm like, wow, like, you know, this is huge. Like, I've never gotten a paycheck this big before. And I think it was very, like, I feel like that really kind of helped because that switch was always there, but it was always yep. in that unsure position. It was like, oh, like like you said, everybody's fears, and they're like, oh, like whatever doesn't work. I'm like, oh crap, like, what if well, it doesn't work. But like, I didn't let anybody else um, really see that. I just was like, no, this is what I'm doing. This is how I want to do it. And as soon as I kind of stopped listening to those fears and stuff like that, I just kind of focused more on what was going right and not quite what could go wrong. Yep. Um, and I think that's a big thing. Like, what could go right is a lot more important than what could go wrong, right? Like, oh, like, what if you mess up? And I'm like, well, what if it works? Like, that'd be life changing. And then it did. And you know, that has been really important. I think is kind of focusing. And, more and what on, if? And what if it did go wrong? What's yeah. the worst thing in the world? I'm exactly. Yeah, and that was my thing too for the longest time. I was like, oh, like, what if it doesn't work out? I'm like, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be in the exact same place I am now. So, like, kind of, you know, I, I think my upside potential yeah. is a lot better on that. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, kind of pivoting um, into that, like I said, you know, it's super rewarding um, being a business owner, um, the autonomy that we have. What do you find um, is the most rewarding thing about your work in particular? My, what For me, what's so rewarding is opening people up to authentic change. Watching, you know, my clients be inspired to create businesses that are aligned with who they are and i'm not speaking you know just you know you know any old business it could be any industry it could be insurance it could be construction it it, it could be you know a version of personal development it it could be marketing it could be mental health it's one of the things that's so rewarding is watching people grow watching the light bulb watching them actually change their mindset their attitudes and then accepting the strategies and really shifting their psychological identity to being who they're here to be because i watch so many business owners employers trying to you know be a clone of something they're not yeah and when people become authentic and they're born into hey this is who i really am it's almost as though, and if you can visualize, like a, a newborn baby that comes out of out of the womb and is completely naked, and, and the doctor slaps them on the butt, and they're like, ah, "Here I am! Here I am!" Yeah. And it's exciting because it's it's as though they are not controlled by conditioning. Yeah, they're controlled by, "Hey, this is where I want to go," but then it's teaching them how to maintain that and keep evolving. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. You kind of see. Um people who are in that state of mind that kind of mindset they're they're very um autonomous they know what they're doing they kind of they flow it just flows weird um really well and i think it's you can kind of notice in the people who are trying to be something that they're not it's it's weirdly clunky yeah it doesn't quite like it's like oh yeah what you said like that's exactly what this other like big business guy said but you're not quite that business guy um so it doesn't like it sounds right but it just feels clunky it's almost like a a verbal liminal space type thing. It's just really it, something about it doesn't quite click. Well, you can right. tell when they're doing that and everything. And then when people are the opposite and they're just their authentic selves and they're like, oh yeah, like I've been doing this business thing. Like I'm really passionate about this. Like it comes through. You can really tell when someone's authentically, you know, themselves. 
Right. It, it's something that when a business owner shows up and and takes off, you know, peels back, you know, the onion laters. Yeah. And they're automatically like, hey, I will say that mm-hmm. because it's real for me. Yeah. And I will lead from this perspective what's real for me. Yeah. Not from some book, not from something that says this is how you should do yeah. it. Like shelf help, like yeah. books and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a, uh, you know, shelf help is kind of funny to me. Yeah. Because I hear people, you know, people ask me all the time things like, is there a book I should be reading? Well, usually my answer, well, it depends on your situation. Yeah. But here's something I want to throw in the mix about this. You're only going to be able to read the book based on the level of development of your consciousness. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that I think is really interesting. Um, that's one reason why I go back and revisit books um, quite often. It's it's really strange. I remember the first time that I kind of noticed that, like, wow, like I'm at a completely different developmental stage. The first time I read this book, like, and it just feels different. I pick out different pieces of the book. Everything the second time around, and it's, it's really interesting to kind of see that. And that's one thing um, I think I struggled with early on was just I, I love to read and everything. Yeah. I have hundreds of books. Um, but just going through and collecting all the information, um, I was getting just-in-case information. Yep. Everything. Um, Tim Ferriss talks about this. Um, he's like, there's a difference between just-in-time information and just-in-case. Yep. Well, too many people focus on the just-in-case information. Yep. Like, I'm reading this because I might need it 10 years from now. Yep. Um, but what a lot of people should be reading is what they need like now, like the just-in-time information. Like, oh, I'm just about to start this thing. Um, I need this now. Mm-hmm. And then you read that book now because it's relevant to you now and you have that developmental context um, to all in your situation and it applies to you now. Um, and then, you know, five, ten years from now, when you do need that, that second book, then you read that one. And I feel like that's where a lot of people struggle is kind of, you know, trying to gather as much information as possible. And then they have, like, analysis paralysis, information overload. And they're like, oh, my God, like, I don't know how to apply half of this. Well, well okay, that's a good point we just brought up because yeah. here, here's the deal about with, with me. I've, I've had clients of mine or prospects that say to me, well, I've done therapy. Mm-hmm. Great. Check. You've done, uh, I've gone to this workshop, check. I've read this book, check. Okay, so why are you here? You're still having the same repeated issues because most of it is that people collect information Mm -hmm. and then it's very similar to like we, you know, everybody has, you know, some form of cable TV. So it's like having all these channels that you just go click, 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 and you never really watch. Yeah. And it just sits there. So in my work, it's far more about helping the person or the group to take that action and focus on the actions that's going is applying it. To actually execute. Yeah, something. execute. Yeah. Because if you, because from my perspective, it's wonderful to be filled with knowledge. Mm-hmm. But knowledge is useless yeah. if, if it's not applied. So it's very similar to, you know, things such as I said, when I went mountaineering, the knowledge that I brought did not apply to the environment. Mm -hmm. Throwing money at credit cards. Yeah. Just the corporate world that I came from did not apply to that environment. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to have a different kind of business or a different kind of life, 
then it's not just saying I have this knowledge from I a know book. That it needs to be different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do I make it different? Yeah. yeah. How do what? Who do I need to be though? If I don't change, because I've had to change. If you met me, say in two thousand one, I'm not the same woman. Yeah. I I keep evolving. And it's something that's very important that even when sometimes I hear business owners say, well, we always done that this way. And I understand that that's probably very profitable, but the world keeps changing. Yeah. And so how can you as a business owner evolve the business identity and even your own identity yeah. to evolve to what people want? And that's very psychological. Yeah, continuing to evolve. Um, that's one thing that I try to do. Um, every day when I journal, I write down um, one thing that I've learned that day. I have like uh, every day I have like the gratitude, like one thing I'm grateful for that day. And then um, I don't like write about my feelings or anything like that, but I just write down the one thing that I learned that day and the kind of how I applied it. Um, trying to work to become like 1% better every day. So what's that 1%? What's that 1% change that I made? Um, I feel like that's been really impactful. It's kind of, having that constant evolution going on mentally, physically, yeah. everything kind of constantly working on, you know, okay, what next? How do I continue to grow and everything? Cause yeah, I've met some people um, and they're the exact same people that I met like eight years ago when we first became friends and like, wow, like they're like, Oh, you changed. And I'm like, well, it's kind of what you're supposed to do, bro. Um, well, you've grown. Yeah, yeah. That's really what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're, how dare you? Yeah. Yeah, there's a gap there now. Yeah. And so it's hard for people to kind of fill in that gap. Um, speaking of hard, what do you think is one of the most difficult aspects of your work? Like, it sounds great. And I know yeah. um, that light bulb moment, um, for me, experiencing that, you know, if we can, like, bottle it up and sell it, we'd be billionaires. Yeah. Um, and I think that's super great. But... Um, what about the, the more difficult aspects, like working with different businesses? Um, kind of what's, what do you think is the most difficult part of, of kind of the, your coaching? And the most difficult practice? part is that I would say is really now once I'm engaged with somebody that that for me is pretty simple because once I'm engaged with people because yeah. I've been at this for quite a long time. And it, it's, I'm quite gifted at what I do. But the difficult part is because I'm constantly on a fast-paced growth and evolution is that my orbit constantly changes. Yeah. So it's also for me, because I, I am human, mm -hmm. is that there's certain people in my life that, you know, it's kind of like being on a path of, let's just say, because we're in Alaska, and I like the outdoors is let's say we went hiking mm -hmm. and sometimes it's, it's similar to we're going hiking together and then we're going backpacking and we camp out and then all of a sudden everybody's gone. Yeah. What do you do? Do you go try to find the old where everybody went or do you just keep trucking along? Yeah. So sometimes the, the most difficult part is when you change and grow is, is that realizing that to keep, being the best I'm here to be is that respecting where other people are at and the pace that they want to go at. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, a, I, that's probably the, I would answer very similarly to that question. Um, that's one thing that I've really struggled with and everything, like I said, being you know, younger and um, 
a lot of the 20 year olds aren't quite out here starting businesses. I mean, nowadays, TikTok yep. and everything's kind of yep. opening up yep. for a lot more people. Um, but yeah, I'm very, uh, I like to, you know, learn things very quickly. Um, I'm always trying to, you know, what's the next big thing I can do? Oh, yeah. What's the next big business I can start? And um, everybody else is kind of focused on the next Netflix show they can binge. Yeah, that's what I mean. And so, so it's, yeah, kind of, I think one of the biggest learning things for me was um, having that respect for the pace that they want to set and everything. Um, and kind of realizing that you know, as much as I want to go a million miles an hour and yep. like not everybody um, wants to go that fast. Right. I, think, I think that was a big thing for me. I thought everybody just wanted, I was like, oh, you guys don't want to just be like the best yeah. at like everything you do? And yeah. they're like, no, not really. And I was like, oh, like it was just like, oh, okay. Like I have to kind of have the respect for, you know, what they want to do and kind of the path that they want to travel and everything like, yeah, our paths might cross here and there um, everything. But, you know, they want to take the easy hiking trail. Right. And that's up to them. If I want to climb, if I just want to, you know, break off the trail yeah. and climb up the mountain, you know, I can't expect them to come with me 100% of the time. So Yeah, and yeah. growth, for example, you know, since we're using outdoor examples, is in Netflix and stuff like that. Now, there is times in my life where I enjoyed watching Netflix and binge watching. Yeah. But when I know that I'm changing and I'm growing and my focus is far different, it's that's not so interesting to me anymore. And it's yeah. respecting and not judging others if that still is. Mm-hmm. And being human is that we, we're constantly judging people. I mean, we, yeah. as soon as we meet somebody, we judge them. Yeah. I mean, as soon as somebody listens to this or watches this, they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're gonna, making a judgment. They're making a judgment. Yeah. But it's also understanding that it's okay. They can because it's part of being human. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was a big thing for me. It was kind yeah. of realizing that that is kind of um, realizing that I was doing that myself. I'm like, wow, like I'm judging them pretty harshly for not going a million miles an hour. It's like, yeah. okay, maybe um, um, reading those books like Stoicism, um, I practice like Taoism and yeah. Buddhism and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and so it's kind of taking that personal responsibility and being like, hey, like maybe you know, the problem isn't the fact that they're not going a million miles an hour. Maybe the problem is the fact that I seem to have an issue with that. Like maybe, like, yeah. how can I dig into that and kind of explore more of that for myself? And just having that that self reflection, the introspection, mm-hmm. to kind of realize that um, it's not quite what they're doing, but how I react to it. Is kind exactly, of bingo. Key. Yeah, Be- that's that's so true. Because when I look at leadership, it, it's something that, it, and this is we're speaking of Buddhism, um, like looking or Taoism is looking at like Western culture. Yeah. Western culture is very, very guilty of externalism. Yeah. And all change comes from within. And this is not me saying Taoism or Buddhism. I'm just saying as a psychologist, yeah. all change comes from within. So if I change inside, yeah. my external changes. So my business changes if I'm looking at my employees Mm -hmm. and saying something such as, you're lazy. Yeah. You're, you don't show up. You're kind of manifesting it. You're you're manifesting it. You're validating it Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, okay, how can I connect with these people? And if they are meant to be here, then how do I connect to them and bring out the best in them? But how do I start with me first? Yeah. Because we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one thing that really drew me to uh, Buddhism and Taoism is the fact that it's very self-centered. Yes. In the best of ways. 
um, basically, like, if you want to change the world, focus first on changing yourself. Correct. Because um, then that has trickle-down effects, right? If I become um, a, a better husband, then, yeah. then my wife becomes better. And then in the future, our kids would become better. And then all of their friends would become better. And it kind of has those trickle-down effects to where, you know, just from that one action of me becoming a better husband, I then had this huge trickle-down effect of, you know, positivity and things like that. But it... Yeah. it functions in the opposite direction too. Like if I end up being a terrible husband and then my wife, um, you know, maybe she ends up being a terrible wife and then I have terrible kids and they have all this unprocessed trauma and then they give it on to their kids and it's kind of, it's a, the feedback cycle kind of goes both directions yeah, up and down. Exactly. So but even in Christianity, it's something that, that, you know, was above is below. Mm -hmm. So it, it's something that meaning that what's inside Yeah is you know the below yeah. and is you know the above is outside yeah. and so it, it's something that most people look at things from a perspective that says well that's separate from me yeah but it's not mm -hmm. because if we you know an example of like last week I was riding my fat tire bike on the trails and I have a beautiful German shepherd yeah and for some reason, she wasn't, she, she wasn't behaving like she normally does. Mm. And I have bragged about my dog. She's very socially intelligent and highly, has high emotional intelligence. Yeah. But she had a mind of her own that day. But, and it was getting frustrating. And what I went to was what's off about me instead of what's off about her today. Yeah. And I put her on a leash and we never ride like that. But what I quickly realized in that moment was it could have been viewed that I was micromanaging my dog, which, okay, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. but I viewed it as that what I was doing was it became an awareness about how much we affect each other. My leadership was on the line Yeah, that every move I make, she needs to follow. If she jerks me, I can fall yeah. if I'm not paying attention, mm -hmm. if I'm not leading her. Which was, a, which was a great experience because the ride was even better than yeah. normal. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, that's a big part, too, is realizing that that's a two-way street. It, it is a two-way street. Yeah, leader, um, like top-down and bottom-up leadership, um, studying a lot of the things like that within the military and different yeah. government organizations. Um, that's one thing that I've definitely noticed is that, um, you know, even with younger and older generations and everything, right? Like, yeah. uh, I feel like uh, same thing, you know, getting into business and realizing like, oh, the people at the top have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also have no idea what they're doing at the top. Exactly. Uh, I don't exactly have that that insight. Um, but maybe if we come meet in the middle and we're like, hey, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here on the front lines. Here are some things I'm noticing. Um, I don't want to make a judgment on what you guys are doing. You know, I don't agree with this decision. Do you mind explaining it to me? And then um, having conversations like that with people, they're like, oh, well, yeah, like, you know, the, the company owner, the CEO, he came in and said that we have to do this. Um, so now I'm trying to process all the orders and do all this and, you know, understanding that they're under, you know, the same types of stresses that you are down there on the front lines. Um, it might come in different forms and things like that. And their paychecks might be a lot bigger. But, um, you well, know. well, empathy goes a, a long way. And, yeah. you know, and for our listeners, Empathy does not mean sympathy. So yeah. all empathy is, is understanding another's view. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I agree with you. Yeah. One of the, I forget which 
of the philosopher said it, but it was one of the stoic ones. They were like, oh, it's the mark of an educated mind to entertain an idea without accepting it. Yeah. And I remember um, when I first read that in high school, it's it stuck with me ever since because um, that was one thing that I feel like a lot of people have trouble doing is kind of entertaining an idea Yeah. without accepting it. They feel like that if they, they entertain the idea that they are obligated to accept it and they have to like adhere to that point of view and they're like, oh, I just don't want, I just don't agree with that. So I'm not even going to think about it. I'm like, okay, well, what if we did just entertain that idea? Like, what if that was true, right? Maybe it was your fault. How, how can we kind of work through that? How well, can well, we... well, people have forgotten how to have conversations. Yeah. And something, you know, comes to mind that's very interesting that years ago, long, long, long time ago, when I was more of a, of a, of a teen, teeny bopper, I used to watch my dad and his siblings, and this was before Google, this was before technology, mm-hmm. and they would have these these conversations and they would come to these interesting disagreements that were really funny like to all of us watching and every time there was like a a place of where they came to like you know the other insisting that they were correct the encyclopedia or the dictionary came out but the thing was is even though things got loud and they you know the arguments became where it was the articulation of the other saying well this is, we're going to entertain this and this. But the cool thing was, is that they were able to express and articulate their knowing and then still love each other and still be like, okay, well, you you proved me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, it was a, they shared a common goal, right? They both wanted to find out what the answer was. And each one of them had a different idea of what it might be, but they both wanted to know what it actually was. And I feel like nowadays, um, People just want to validate their own ideas. Correct. They're like, I don't want to figure out the truth. I just want to show you that my truth is the truth. Bingo. Yeah. And, and so it's so interesting because of you're in the technology field, and that's where I started in technology. And I think technology is beautiful, but yet so many things have created a laziness to lots of people humanly have forgotten how to think. Yeah. Or have forgotten to, if if you cannot articulate from a perspective of saying, this is how I think, mm-hmm. let's consider this. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you need to adopt it if it doesn't work for you. Yeah. If I said to you something such as, you need to dress this way. Yeah. Okay, well, it's my opinion. Yeah. It, does it fit <laughs> for you? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's not about so it, it's about do you valid you know want my validation yeah yeah it's kind of up to each individual person to decide whether or not to accept that advice from you know leaders and experts and gurus or whatever because um, I can be like hey like you should go and invest in this company and everything and or you should dress this way or you have to do this and everything and those are all just kind of my opinions um my advice comes from um, I tell people this all the time, like, hey, like, I, I suggest, like, I never am like, hey, this is the way to do it. I'm like, hey, like, this is what I've found to be the best way. Mm-hmm. I always try to have that, like, hey, like, this might not work for you anytime I give advice to anybody. Um, because my advice um, comes from my background, my experience, and it's vastly different from, say, you know, the person I'm talking to. And, you know, you guys, like, the person I'm talking to might have a completely different type of business. Um, so, you know, this worked for me. And everything and i'm going to give you this advice because this is what worked for me but it might not work for you right so feel free to toy around with it right it's not like concrete you don't have to follow i don't have some step-by-step plan here's a general idea run with it tell me how it works 
Well, here, here's, here's interesting about you know, the whole psychology of that is in today's world, and, and I was thinking about this for the last couple of days, one pet peeve of mine is we're so inundated with so much information today. So for example, everybody's on connect on social media. Somebody's on somebody's mailing list. Yeah. I'm sure this is somewhat of your experience, but in my experience, I get inundated with people who start off emails to me that that never met me. Hey, Christine, this is exactly the solution you need. Yeah. Or, or direct marketers that drop in my, uh, you know, some script, you know, my IM box. Hey, Christine, this is the latest shiny health thing. This will help you lose, lose that 30 pounds. How do you know? Well, if I'm not looking to lose 30 pounds, well, if I'm not looking to do this. Yeah. What if, how do you know? So part of it, from my perspective, is that people have lost the overall art of how to really have an authentic connection mm-hmm. as opposed to, yes, we're connected and we're constantly like throwing things out there, throwing this out there, throwing that out there. But if you really want it to connect, you'd have to really pay attention. Yeah. Listen more than you speak. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that as a paid advisor to people, it would never be something that I would automatically just say to to somebody, you know, half-heartedly, this is what I think you should do. I have to really listen through an empathetic lens. And, And it's not me saying things such as, well, this is the cookie cutter approach. Yeah. Because psychology of the business isn't like that. Yeah. And neither are people. Yeah. We yeah. do have common patterns, but everybody is unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody has a unique situation. And um, working as a consultant, that's one thing that I really noticed um, when I started my business was that too many people kind of have this, like I uh, don't do hourly billing. Okay. Kind of I do value-based pricing. Yep. Um, so when I work with people, I kind of try to figure out what the con the, the project is worth to them, why they want to do it. Um, my sales process um, is super long and everything. Most people are like, oh yeah, I want to work with you coaching wise. And most consultants would be like, cool. All right, cool. We'll meet Monday. Mine's like, okay, why? Why me? Why mm-hmm. you want to work with me and my company? Yep. Like, why not um, some other company? Well, because you're the only one who does this kind of work. Okay, cool. Well, like, why do you need that kind of work? Okay, well, I'm running this type of business. Like, um, I just did some business mentoring um, a couple of weeks ago with G-Beta and some of their new startup companies. And, um, you know, I work with crypto and NFTs and things like that. And so one of the companies was talking about like, oh, I want to set up a, my own cryptocurrency ecosystem and do this. I'm like, well, why? Like, why not just use traditional, the traditional finance system? Why? And they're like, oh, well, I, I don't really know. I just thought it'd be cool. I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe that's not a great reason to invest um, a butt ton of money into creating your own crypto ecosystem. Um, and NFTs and things like that. Like a lot of people come to me, they're like, hey, I want the template. I'm like, well, I don't have one. Um, so I got to you know, figure out why you're doing this for your business. Why do you need this particular like software or project thing in your in your business? And they're like, oh, well, like, I didn't really think about that. I'm like, okay, how do you know you need it? And so my thing is always, it's why, like I ask a lot of, well, a lot of why questions, um, just trying to figure out what that r- root cause of whatever business problem they're trying to solve is. And, you know, sometimes my company isn't the solution for that. And I'll direct them to other companies and be like, hey, it's, you know, um, I want to know why we're working together, right? And then most of the time people will sell themselves on me. And then that way I know that the clients that I'm working with are people that are, you know, 
they're not gonna call me with problems and be like, hey, well, like I don't really agree with like the software thing that you're working on. Um, the work that I end up doing and everything, I don't do as much of a volume, but the, the clients that I do get, everything, I know that they're they're dedicated, they're committed to the mission of- And they're aligned with you. And, they're, and we're in alignment. Yeah. You can always tell, um, I always try, before I get anybody to pay me, I always wanna make sure that we're always in that alignment. Because if, if we're out of whack, everything right, like there's that thing, it's like the one in 60 rule, like for every one degree that you're off in like an airplane, you end up traveling at 60 miles in the opposite direction. Um, so, I, and I tell people that, I'm like, hey, like, I tell them about their airplane rule, I'm like, hey, every one mile, like one degree, right? Even if we're off, we're not in complete alignment, you can be gone by 60 miles and everything. So we get three months into this project and you and I can have different ideas of where this project is going. I was like, and that's gonna get downhill really fast. Um, so I wanna make sure that we're, we've, even if it's just that one degree, I wanna make sure that we get that one degree, right? And I'm like, hey, what if it's five degrees? Right? Like we want to make sure that we're in perfect alignment on this and people are like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I love that you're doing that because, yeah. you know, it's interesting you bring that up mm -hmm. because I know when I work with people there, I, I get asked questions. Well, what's your hourly rate? I don't know. Yeah. What is, you know, I've had people even in small business say, Hey, write me a proposal for this. No. Yeah. I was like, why not? That's how business is done. No, yeah. this is how no, I, not my business. this is not how I do business. Yeah. It's something that I recognize that, yes, I have packages, mm -hmm. but as far as looking at in the consultation and who somebody is, yeah. we have to be, I, I have to know that they're choosing me, yeah. but also I have to know that they're willing to, you know, work with me. Yeah. And I also need to know that I can help them solve you know, what we're here to solve yeah. because often what happens, and, and this is just in my particular case, some examples you're using is mm -hmm. that if my, my processes are all due with, mm -hmm. whether it's a trainer or it's, you know, a coach yeah. or if I'm hired to speak, um, I'm still going to have more of a style that's going to be, I'm going to draw you in and we're, yeah. we're going to, you're going to participate with me. Yeah. And we're in this together. Now. Yeah. We're in yeah. this together and I'm not a lecturer mm -hmm. and I'm not going to do it for you. I can't, I can't do it for you. Yeah. Now I understand sometimes people say, well, why can't you do it? Well, I can't because yeah. once I leave, what happens then? What happens if you don't yeah. know how to do certain things? Mm -hmm. Now I have done things for my clients as far as acting as the leader, as a consultant, or running their meetings or running their employees to show them how easy it's done. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, they need to learn how to do that. They need to learn how to communicate. Yeah. They need to learn the emotional intelligence skills or boost their own to make sure others in the, in the business are, are not playing their emotions yeah. and their emotions are not a control. Yeah. So it's something that when it comes to how we do business today, it's very different than I, I think that the traditional businesses of, well, how much does it cost per hour is, is, is a silly approach. And I say yeah. that because if, if you hire somebody, like so for example, if let's say that um, you need a plumber yeah. and you say, okay, how much is this going to cost? And they say, well, okay, well, I'm 75 bucks an hour. Now, if that issue was to, could take the plumber five minutes, mm -hmm. 
and he and you're billing he's billing you prorated based on 75 bucks an hour do you think he's going to fix it for five bucks yeah no no and so yeah it's i i hate the hourly billing model because it, it promotes inefficiencies like we were talking about yeah. previously right like i always love to be constantly evolving um and you know, the first time if i get a new project and i've never worked on it before yeah it's going to take me a really long time but then the second time i do it i have all of those lessons learned and it takes me you know a quarter of the time and so um if i were billing by the hour the first time i do it, it takes 18 hours yep you know my hourly rate everything say thousand bucks an hour and i think that's you know eighteen thousand dollars but then the next time if i can get it done in half an hour i think i'm not going to charge 500 bucks i'm going to take as much time as i need and i want to make sure i'm getting all of that that lovely lovely cheddar but yeah it kind of it's with the plumbing thing right like I, yeah. and that's why i hate um like auto mechanics and um things like that just those kind of i wish different trades that build by the hour would build differently because if i walk in and like hey like i need like a plumber everything hey i need this fix and they're like okay well i'm 75 bucks an hour i'm like okay how long is it going to take and they're like i don't know i haven't seen the place it's like well why can't we get like a some sort of like like i said like my things like value-based pricing like okay well is this specific project worth worth to you how much will this contribute to your your overall revenue things like that and then um trying to calculate in those um the non-tangibles and stuff like that like the emotional the stress yeah things like that what will this alleviate for you non like financially and they're like oh well yeah actually like my peace of mind is worth like half a million dollars. I'm like, okay, well, well, well that's great because, because yeah. you know, in, in actually in one of my brochures, I actually talk a little bit about this. The, yeah. the, the entire, how business owners are really shorting, you know, themselves mm -hmm. by using the traditional pay by hour yeah. because what it ends up doing is it not only, um, like from a business perspective, humanly perspective in like the psychology of things yeah. gives half-hearted efforts to the customer. Yeah. Because if I'm thinking in terms of, for example, if I make X amount an, uh, an hour, yeah. I'm thinking in terms of, well, what's it worth it to me? There's this problem. Do I get, sol do I get paid to solve these kind of problems? No. Yeah. Do I really care? No. Mm -hmm. All I want to do is stand here for eight hours a day and collect my paycheck. Yeah. You're the one who's leading. I don't care. You gave me wrong information. I don't care. Yeah. And and I understand, you know, some folks may argue with me and say something like, yeah, well, they're lucky to have a job. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, we can look at it from that perspective. Yeah. They are lucky to have a job. But at the same time, if they're not motivated mm -hmm. to do everything that you want them to do based on just that one hourly wage. Yeah because it's possibly not worth it to them. Yeah, um, and you know, with friends who are still working in retail and stuff like that, you know, that's one thing, um, I know when I first started working, um, that was one thing I really struggled with because I, I love to work hard. Yeah. I think, you know, I, one of my big things is like, I don't think anybody's ever gonna be able to work harder than me. Um, but then working like that and getting paid the same as the guy who's just kind of like, uh, like if I, work at like a grocery store yep. and you know we bring out the pallet of the thing and I, if i can clear a whole pallet and everything in an hour and the other guy takes four hours to clear his and everything we're getting paid the same amount even though i'm getting more work done and so it just kind of like it it's kind of that low lowest common denominator type yeah. thing right the weakest link in the chain um you know if i'm one of those top performing people and everything and then i see everybody else around me i'm like wow like 
you know, I'm not going to, like, these people, you know, I'm working hard, and they're like, oh, like, he's working hard, like, what an idiot, and everything, like, we're not going to do that, um, and so me, being that top performer, I'm eventually going to fall to that level of just well, kind of well, not exactly. working. Well, exactly, so it's something interesting, you bringing that up, because there's a lot of psychology in this, yeah. it is that part of why I often cringe at, at, at times when, when I look at say workplace psychology and I'm a workplace psychologist, business psychologist and how to motivate people, how to get them to change patterns of behavior, Mm -hmm. behavior modification, mindset, things of that nature, emotional intelligence. So let's say if, because a lot of people default to psychology, they think therapist. Okay. So if we're speaking about, because I speak a lot about bringing out, let's boost the mental health, emotional health in your business. Yeah. Now, I understand that you can go to a traditional mental health therapist, but but folks, think about it this way. They're not trained in business. Yeah. Okay? Now, they do have their value, but yet their model says you come in for X amount of hours yeah. and you pay by the hour. And so what we're speaking about, so for them to have client longevity, why in the world would they want to help you solve whatever? Whatever problem. Yeah, yeah whatever problem. They get paid because you have a problem. They have a problem. So, yeah. so and then you, you use insurance to pay for and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use kickbacks. But I can tell you this for a fact that I've offered my services to business owners and, they, and I've said, okay, you can go to therapy about this and you can get diagnosed because I'm not diagnosing. Yeah. And, and the label's not going to chase you through life. Yeah. And then I check on that business owner and they say to me these exact words, I made a mistake. I should have went with you. I know that up front, the investment in you was a lot more. But by that choice of going... The return. The, the return. A lot more. Yeah. Is that now my insurance premiums are so high. Yeah. And because I have this label for my employees... Now their premiums are higher. Yeah. And so what you, the investment that going your way that understood the workplace would yeah. have had a, we would have been over these issues. We would have gone past these things yeah. and then I wouldn't be carrying all this other stuff with me. Yeah. The other person whipped out the whole DSM five and they yeah. got me diagnosed with all these different things. And yeah. Yeah. And, and so if you think about business, okay, so if I'm a DSM-5, let's just speak of that. Yeah. Okay. It's written by, you know, people in my field. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're coming up with things, a categories. Yeah. Okay. So if I got to put you in a category because who's paying the bill? The insurance. Yeah. Okay. So there's different categories that pay different, different. Di- different. So, yeah. so if, if I'm a business person and if I have my own practice, I'm going to put you in a category. I don't know. I, it's unethical to miscategorize, but if I'm at least yeah. going to put you in the generalization yeah. of, okay, this one pays 150 bucks back to me. This one pays 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. What do you think that they're going to put you in? Yeah. I'm going to be like, I, well, like, I have my responsibility and everything, but like, if I look at it from this perspective, it looks like you are kind of on you're, the edge right you're, there. You're so on the edge. If you Say, you know, some major life event happens to you, you can definitely fit into that box. So, you know, we'll just kind of yeah. push you to that one. Well, yeah. And then so then you're going down this journey that that most it, it's more of a relationship that says, OK, time up. 
And they were like, wait, I was in the middle of this. Nope, time up. Yep, sorry. Sorry, we'll this sorry, next sorry. Week. Yeah, like, see, whoa, see like, you I next was week. just unpacking my childhood trauma with you. It's like, yeah. A, yeah, it's, yeah, where I have with my clients, for example, I've done things such as trainings. And then the staff will get some one-on-one time with me. Yeah. And, you know, some staff will tell me, hey, you know, I'm dealing with a trauma with, with a therapist. And I usually ask the question, being respectful, well, how fast do you want to get rid of that? Yeah. And if they say right now, I'm like, well, let's go. And because of how I'm trained, it's just like reaching into them and just taking that emotional charge off. And they're like, where'd it go? Like, it's gone. Do you want to not? Do you want me to put it back? Do you want it back? Okay, put it back. And (laughs) usually say, well, I got to talk to my therapist. Okay, how come? Yeah. Well, the the business psychologist just suggests it. Oh, well, 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 how come my therapist didn't? Because I'm not your therapist. It's something that we've been trained, like this ego conditioning of thinking that things need to take a certain amount of time. And back to pay scales of wrapping it up, pointing it, is that why would you want to carry trauma around with you and not feel good? Mm -hmm. I understand if you want to take the victim position in your life and you want to share that, why you can't do something, go for it. But if you're somebody who wants to grow and evolve and be the best you can be, then why carry it? Yeah. Yeah. The whole victim mindset thing kind of acts as like a, a shield. I feel like for a lot of people, they're like, oh, like I'm, I'm not successful because I was traumatized. Like yeah. it's that, yeah. like, um, like I, you know, had a lot of like childhood trauma as well, you know, growing up, um, you know, single mother household and dad wasn't around much yeah. and everything. Um, but you know, I f- flipped it from that victim mindset to a, you know, survivor mindset. Like, yeah, yeah. like, Oh, I've been through a lot. You know, that's why I'm not successful. I'm like, oh yeah, I've been through a lot. Like I can, you know. So this this thing right now, this business thing, I've been through worse. Uh, And so a lot of people like, oh, like I went through all this hard stuff. And so the the difference between like this victim, you can either victimize yourself or you can be like, no, I survived this. Like oh, I was this. Like I was abused emotionally. Like oh, I survived emotional abuse. Well, yeah. I mean, here here's the thing that I'm going to say. We're being recorded. It's going to be out there. Yeah. I've had my own journey of, of my own traumas, my own victimization, my own yeah. crap that, that I've carried around, experienced, gone through. Mm-hmm. But here's the deal is that I went through it and I've healed. Yeah. And we're never done in our, in our businesses. It's the, it's the greatest personal development vehicle you ever want to be you know, on yeah. because it's gonna, you're going to face things that you've never faced before. If you go to work for somebody else, yeah, you're facing different things. But as a business owner, you're going to face stuff that you never realized you had to face. Yeah. Oh, I've never been sued for $2.3 million before. That's uh, <laughs> that's more than my house, my car. Um, oh, I don't have my LLC isn't set up. Like, I own everything under the LLC. So the LLC is getting sued and all my personal assets, like... Yeah, there's a lot of different stresses. There's, a, there's lots of different things. There, there's things that uh, I've worked with people that didn't realize that, you know, we're speaking about trauma, that, you know, they're still carrying trauma from childhood, for example. Yeah. So let's say they had a rather abusive father and they hire a bunch of their dads, Yeah, you know, to work for them. Yeah. And it seems, well, why would somebody do that? Well, I can tell you why. I mean, they do it because they're trying to resolve it. Yeah. And they just don't know how. Yeah. So they have these different ways of trying to, to cope with it indirectly. Instead yes. of just confronting it head on. Yeah. yeah. And I've worked with those types of folks because, and then, then all of a sudden once that, 
you know, it's resolved inside of them, then the people they thought were monsters are gone. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't mean physically gone. I mean the perception yeah. is gone. They've tackled the fear of the thing. And so the thing itself no longer has power over Exactly. Them. Yeah. So if you were triggering me or vice versa, mm-hmm. you would see me in a different light. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just kind of pivot from that and kind of talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence. Yay. In my, one of my favorite topics. Yeah. One of mine as well. Um, first of all, though, I kind of want us to define emotional intelligence. So that way people kind of know what we're talking about. Um, it's one sure. of those things that, you know, some people define it one way. Some people define another one. So kind of what, how would you define emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence. I'm, I'm going to make it really, really simple for everybody. Yeah. Emotional intelligence is that we all have emotions and it's understanding how to read your own emotions, what to do with them, and how to read the emotions of others. It's that simple. It's not saying things such as I'm going to bury um, shame or I'm going to bury guilt. Mm -hmm. It's understanding it. What's it saying? Mm -hmm. It's being intelligent with it. If I'm emotionally unintelligent, I'll even explain it from that point of view. I'm talking from my neck up, and I can say something such as, like, here's a a good one. uh, Okay, if I'm walking into a business, and this is an example, everybody listening. If (laughs) I walked into a business being emotionally unintelligent, and let's say here's here's a major event that just ha- that happened a few years ago in Alaska. This is exaggerate. When we had our major earthquake in November, uh, November thirtieth, a few years ago. Yeah. Let's say if I walked into a business being emotionally unintelligent and said, "What are you shaking up about? Yeah. What's your problem? Yeah. It's dismissing any type of emotion." That maybe, you know, maybe when that earthquake, major earthquake hit, maybe there was pipes bursting. Maybe there was, you know, it was lots of crazy. I know where I was. And I know how shooken up I was. Yeah. So when we're emotionally intelligent, it's acknowledging, it's not dismissing how somebody else feels. It's going into that. As I said, the model that I use is about understanding oneself, how we connect to each other. Yeah how we make decisions, how we manage our stressors. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to it because if you're stressed and you're communicating from that stress, you're going to sound differently yeah. than if you're clear and calm. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand where you're coming from first. So yes. You know how you're communicating. Because I, I might be super stressed and I'm like, hey, like, I'm trying to be calm. And then like, I'm trying to attempt to be calm, but I'm super stressed about you know, all these other things that are going on back there. And I'm not really aware of that consciously. And then people are like, oh, like Devin, Devin was being an asshole today. Well, exactly. Yeah. So so it's like what I said about, you know, like the emails or the direct messages. Yeah. Most of them are emotionally unintelligent. Yeah. Because they're not connecting with me. And part of emotional intelligence is is to be able to get people to open up to you. Because, the, the you know, we hear these things and I'm, and I'm going to say it. <laughs> honestly is I hear this repeatedly people do business with people they know like and trust trust. okay we say that all the time okay let's throw that out the window I'm going to throw it out the window and I'm going to say it's a bunch of horseshit and the reason I'm going to say it's horseshit is because the thing is is that's that's above 
mm-hmm. you know, on, you know, a spectrum. Yeah. It's not about, it's not so much about whether we're liked because that's validation. Yeah. It's about from an emotional intelligence perspective that can you connect to somebody emotionally? Yeah. Can you give value to somebody? Yeah, can you get the job done? You may not like me, but you may realize that I'm the best uh, practitioner to help you. Yeah. But you, and you can still trust me without liking me. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, TV show Suits, I watched a lot when I was in high school. Um, I almost became a lawyer because of that show. Um, but the, the main character in there, Harvey Specter, he's kind of this, you know, he's like the best closer in yeah, yeah, New yeah, York yeah, yeah. and everything. Have you seen the show? I, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Harvey Specter, big uh, New York uh, lawyer and everything. Um, but he's very, like, direct to the point. He's like, yeah, no, yeah. Like, I'm, I get things done. Like, I close deals. He's like, I don't take meetings. I set them. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And so, like, a lot of people don't quite like him, but everyone that he goes up against in court has that respect for him. They know he gets the job done. Correct. People go to him because, like, they, they don't... They know him and they, they trust him, but they might not like him. Yeah. But they still do business with him. They still do all these things. So it's like it's not necessarily – I kind of feel the same way about the whole no like and trust thing. Is I feel like it's one of those shelf-help things that gets pulled from a book yeah. and people just regurgitate they it because it makes them sound smart. Yeah, it makes them sound smart. And it's like, okay, we're just validating, validating, validating. Yeah. And, and the deal is, is this, is, yes, I want people to be more likable. But yeah. here's the deal is I want you to have that internal validation and be emotionally intelligent in business that you can understand where you're coming from yeah. when you're in front of a customer. And let's, let's speak of different aspects. Okay. Everybody wants more sales, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's tackle that is most people come from what they want. Mm-hmm. I want to close. Okay. Yeah. And, then, and then they dismiss like all these things, all these cues that go on. Yeah. And the process. Yeah. And I then, feel like real estate's really bad about yeah. that too. And you and we call up people, um, some of the big, bigger name people, um, scripts and scripts and do this and say that. Um, oh, hi. Like, my name's like Devin Rosson from Aspire Realty Group. Um, yeah. Would you like to buy or sell real estate with me today? Um, no, I just moved into my house. Oh, okay. Well, do you know anybody else who's like interested in buying or selling real estate? Um, can you give them my contact information? Can you send them my way? And they're like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, can you just sell your house with me so I can make money? Oh, no, I'm not ready right now. Oh, okay, do you know anybody else who's interested in selling their house so I can make money? And it's like, oh, like, I have no, um, I feel like applying the consulting approach that I have with my consulting company to my real estate business and kind yeah. of getting to connect more with people on that thing. And they're like, hey, I'm not really buying a house right now. Cool. No worries, bro. I got you. Well, like, well, here's here's something else about that if from emotional intelligence is that if you sound like everybody else, Guess what? You're, people are going to hang up on you. Yeah. Okay, right now in Alaska, it, I mean, I, I think Alaska is either pol- pol- politics season or it's a construction season. Yeah. Okay, so I get so many calls, and you know, here, here and they're all telemarketers. Mm-hmm. If I happen to answer the call, if it's a nine oh seven number, they get sneaky, mm-hmm. and then I answer. I'm like, hello, and they're like, okay, I want five minutes of your time because I want to know what your opinions are. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And I go click, exactly. And they try to call again, click. Yeah, it, it's something that it, it, these things don't work. It yeah. doesn't connect people. Mm-hmm. Well, this real estate politics, yeah, it, technology. To, yeah, that's one thing. Um, I don't know. A lot of people just don't like cold calling in general. Like it is one of the things. Um, it's one of the basic things. It's essential for business and everything. But I've always kind of been averse to it because I don't like to be marketed to that way. 
and it feels weird for me. I'm like, hey, I don't like receiving weird phone calls. I don't like getting texts and emails from strangers that I don't know. Um, so then going and kind of calling people, and I'm like, hey, like, you know, you're we're marketing to our our client base in the way that we hate to be marketed to. So right. why, why do it in the first so, place? So so from emotional intelligence perspective, it's understanding. Yeah. Number one, real simple. Where are you at? Mm-hmm. And some people have no clue where they're at yeah. emotionally because a lot of people still today, and I'm not saying you because I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about you, yeah. <laughs> is, is I'm going to call the elephant in the room, yeah. is that emotions do belong in business. Yeah. I've heard foolishness out of a lot of professionals that say, don't get emotional. Yeah. Well, guess what? Everybody's an emotional decision maker. Yeah. So really what you're saying you know, because I've heard a lot of financial advisors say that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard I've heard a lot of professionals, you know, give emotional advice mm-hmm. that they have no business giving. Yeah. And so I'm just going to call it out the elephant in the room. Okay. So if you're, no matter if you're in real estate, if you're a business broker, you're a finance person, you're a CFO, yeah. guess what? People are emotional decision makers. Yeah. So you want somebody, for example, let's just, you know, because we have so many financial advisors out there, yeah. okay? That, that's another, you know, real, you know, real estate folks, financial advisors. You want somebody to give you their money, mm-hmm. you better be able to emotionally connect you with pull them. pull on their heartstrings. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not just about pulling on their heartstrings. It's about connecting to them where they feel safe with you. Yeah, where they feel heard. They feel know. heard. Yeah. They feel that you get them. Because you can pull on the heartstrings of somebody yeah. and, you know, you can trigger some emotion, but the heartstrings and, you know. It's not a, foolproof. Like it, ASPCA, like the dog thing. Yeah, um, it could, it like could it be you doesn't pull. doesn't always sell. Yeah. yeah, so you could pull on me and say, well, you've just pissed me off. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm sad. I don't want to give you money. Now I'm depressed. Yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, I don't, I don't like the way I feel around you. Yeah. So it's something that it's more of even if noticing somebody's angered or sad, mm-hmm. it's acknowledging, like, yeah. you know, just being, are you okay? Yeah. Hey, you sound stressed. Are you okay? Yeah. A lot of people um, kind of fail to do that. I think one book that I've read um, that really made a huge difference in my business was Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, yeah, former yeah, yeah, yeah. FBI negotiator. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of the big things I took away from that book was um, going for it, that's right. He's like, when you're negotiating with people, you want them, like, you don't want a yes or like, you're right. Cause he's like, if you hear you're right, you screwed up big time. Yep. He's like, but if you know, the other person on the phone with you is like, yeah, like, oh yeah, so it sounds like you're looking for like XYZ property, you know, a real estate agent. And they're like, that's right. Okay, well, it sounds like you, you got kids in the background, you know, it's like, the house too small and everything. And like, yeah, that's right. And you get, that's right. That's right. That's right. And it's like, oh, and they're like, they're like, so it sounds like you kind of want to move. Right. And like, that's right. I want to buy a house. And then, you know, as a real estate agent, you kind of, you're good to go at that point. But they're like, Oh, you're right. Um, Oh, I don't know. And then they feel like they, they've lost. I think, but if you guys come to an agreement and everything and they're like, yeah, that's right. You understand. You get me. Oh my God, we're best friends now. Um, it kind of, it really helps move that process along. Well, you, you need to connect. Yeah. You, and, and to me, I'm going to throw this word out there. To, to me, it's about being in sync. Yeah. The flow. It, yeah. It's, it's being in sync with somebody. You can be in sync and not even like somebody. Yeah. They yeah, were on the same page. You don't kind of agree, but yeah. yeah. I, I felt that with a lot of people. Um, 
you're doing cold calls and stuff like that. Like I've had people who've been on the phone and you can tell they, um, they just definitely do not like being called on the phone for one. And then they're like, Oh, you're a real estate agent. I hate real estate agents, but they're on the phone with you. And when you're talking with them, you're asking them some questions and like, yeah, that's right. Um, and they're like, oh, and you kind of like, they soften a bit and everything. And then you end up working with them. And then they're like, yeah, like I, you know, be completely honest with you. Um, thought you were kind of an ass. I'm just another telemarketer asshole and everything. And then, you know, um, I still don't completely agree with you on things, but like you actually, you know, you made me feel heard and understood and we connected and, you know, having that conversation with people, like it's, it's, it's really, it feels good. I mean, you can tell, like I said, like you can tell when you're in alignment. Um, well, definitely. And, and it's even when you don't agree with somebody about, yeah. okay, speaking of houses, mm-hmm. some people, you know, look at their houses as an investment. Yeah. And I, I bought this so that I could sell it in three years and make a profit. Yeah. But some people actually use their house and they live in their house and they yeah. enjoy their house. For them, it's not an investment. Yeah. yeah. So if you're if you're coming from a point of view into somebody's home and saying, oh, well, you know, um, you should not be living like this. And, and, and you come from the perspective that says, but why not? It's mine. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. If I want to paint a, a wall, a neon color, it's my house. Yeah. If I want to you know, have dogs, cats, and, you know, running around with my kids and we're happy. They have a different perception of the value of it. Yes. To them, it's their, their home. It's the memories there. It's like, Hey, yeah, the price tag, like I'm asking 700,000 for it because it's, you know, that's the price I'm willing to accept to let go of those memories in that house. Yeah. So from emotional intelligence perspective, again, it's understanding where somebody's coming from. Mm -hmm. It's not judging it and saying, well, if you want, you know, you want to make that amount of money, you got to do blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Now, I understand I'm not the real estate um, uh, industry and yeah. disclosing that. But I do know this because I know when I sold two properties um, before coming to Alaska, I did it in two weeks and I did it in December when there was snow and most people said, you cannot sell things in the month of December when it's cold and nobody wants to go, you know, this just not going to happen. Yeah. And it sold because of the stories of me yeah. and how I had certain things decorated. It wasn't that these properties were anything special. It wasn't inherently worth X, Y, Z. Yes. It was but the emotional. It was the emotions the, yeah. that of pictures of me on the wall and the things that, that different buyers came in and looked at. Yeah. But also there's a whole psychology behind, which we don't have to go into, but it's there's a whole psychology of when somebody's ready to release somebody, yeah. release something from them mm-hmm. when you're done with that property. Yeah. So from an emotional intelligence perspective, again, it's understanding where are you at. Yeah. What about the the dark side of emotional intelligence? Um, it's super important, but I feel like a lot of people get a little overly enthused sometimes and obscures some of the darker parts of that. Um, there's evidence out there that's shown that um, when people, you know, become really good at using those emotional skills and everything, you know, like dark triad stuff sure, 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 sure. and you yeah, have yeah, people yeah, yeah. who are able to, um, the more you can understand um, your own emotions and how you can be hurt, you more understand how to hurt other people. Kind of how do you approach that side of it? How do you kind of um, well address some of those concerns that people might have? 
again, I can't control if somebody's going to yeah. use these types of psychological type tools, mm-hmm. you know, for harm. Yeah. You know, because I'm trained in emotional intelligence, NLP. I'm trained in uh, hypnosis. I'm trained in all kinds of things, but I am, but I'm a, I'm a white knight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm a, I'm, I'm peaceful. When I encounter people like that and I see somebody, you know, it, it's something that I know when people are looking to use that. Like, use that. And I've yeah. had people try to use it with me. Yeah. Part of it is recognizing, again, if the more that you build your emotional intelligence, I, I mean, I, I know that narcissists mm. are, they're smart people. Yeah. I mean, some are smarter than others, and some are just, you know, dipshits. Yeah. Okay, I'll say it that way. <laughs> they think they're smart. Okay, yeah. but here's here's the deal: is that if you are like pulled down by, say, a narcissist, and let's say that you're a a, a person, a professional that is, you know, that had it going on you know, the answer to the skills, it's more of understanding, okay, that narcissist has pounded your self-worth into the sand. Yeah. And probably people that use these things for darkness. Mm-hmm. First of all, reframe it and recognize, number one, if you've gone through it, that you are actually selected as a wonderful prize to, to the darkness. Because you're so, we're so strong out there that they wanted to bring you down. Yeah, you were targeted. You were targeted because you were somebody that needed to be brought down. Mm -hmm. And they need you more than you need them. Yeah. So also, when you use things from the greater good, and the more you develop yourself, it'll be easier for you to spot this. Yeah. You won't allow yourself to be manipulated. You'll know when something sounds too good to be true. Yeah. So, for example, there's Godzillion scams out there. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, dark. They sound wonderful. You know, these things right here, they're listening constantly. Okay, let's just yeah. accept it. But here's the deal is that you'll get things sent to you, like scamming things. Yeah. I mean, I'll give an example of something that I think is funny now, but it wasn't funny when I was going through it was like using these skills for the darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it appears on websites. Somebody, some scammer hacked somebody's website uh, last year that I clicked on something and I paid for something. Thank God I used PayPal. Yeah. And, but then all of a sudden I didn't get what I paid for. Mm-hmm. And as far as combating these things was, I went to PayPal, said I didn't get it. And all of a sudden, this is funny, the scammers, the scammers actually appeared, like, emailing me and saying, how dare you lock us out of our PayPal? Yeah. And I'm like, well, how's that my problem? Just release my funds. Yeah. And now I have the power. Mm -hmm. And so how do you combat it? Is that once you have the self-worth, which emotional intelligence is a lot about that Mm self-worth, You're not going to, I'm not saying it's never going to appear that you're going to have somebody trying to manipulate you. Of you're course, harder to manipulate. Yeah, you're harder. So how do you combat it is that you got to keep developing yourself. 
you got to keep being aware. You you have a choice to saying because in that little story that I'm saying, yeah, I could have I could have typed it all on Facebook and been like, and I could have got about 300 likes and people feeding into the, the shares, the shares of like, look what happened and the drama. But part of it is that you have to make that choice that I'm not here to tell you that I'm going to solve the, the problem of the world, that the darkness and the mm. evilness and the people who do dark triad evil crap are going to go away. I don't know mm. how to do that. But I can tell you how to protect yourself mm. is utilize a practitioner like myself to help you develop, to give you tools, to help you understand that you don't have to get yourself manipulated because if you're constantly in that situation, then... It takes away from your self-worth. And yeah. You're more likely in the future to you know, be victimized again because yeah. you're, you're more afraid, you feel less capable. Yeah, so but here's another area why people get sucked into that. You know, and this is a big issue, and we, I know we don't have time to go into this deep depth of this, is people, codependence is, is really big, yeah. is huge. And I talk about a lot about codependence in the workplace. And so part of that manipulation, if you came from a codependent upbringing, mm -hmm. where you're constantly having to rescue somebody, or you're constantly in that uh, enabling yeah. or the victim, you know, that triangle, you know, that's more of a type of psychology within you that's more um, somebody that would get manipulated. Yeah. Yeah, because I know, you know, growing up um, the way I did, I think that's kind of how I had to develop was more of the, the rescuing type thing, like always having to go and like help and, you know, going out of my way to make, because, you know, I'm the only person who can do it, you know, I've got to do it. Um, I, I definitely, early on, I found that kind of carrying over into different things where I was more self-sacrificing. And so I would give myself more of myself than I probably should have to right. a lot of people that I shouldn't have. And I found that um, that, that was a big issue that I had. But yes. Then, so the manipulation would yeah. be, hey, let, let's, Devin, let's go. So-and-so needs help. And, yeah. and then, then you'd stop doing what is important to you. And then you go get yourself manipulated yeah. and sucked into s some drama. And it, it, uh, one thing that I've really had, especially recently, um, as I realized more about that, is there was a lot of resentment that came with that afterwards, yeah. too. And I had kind of held on to a lot of that and started to affect different aspects of my relationships and things like that. And I was like, wow, like I like I like to help people. And everything's like my, my love language or whatever is like acts yeah. of service and, you know, helping yeah. people. But then kind of when it's taken advantage of, you start to build this resentment. And then, you know, that, you know, if you don't heal from the wound that you have, you start to bleed on the other people who do care about you and things like that. So you're kind of trying to work through. Well, right. And yeah. then you put yourself last and it, it develops a, you know, people pleasing mm -hmm. type. Uh, you, you want, again, want to be like, you're seeking validation yeah. all over the place or you become passive aggressive. You're really angry yeah. and then you tell the wrong people and you know, spread drama. Yeah. And, and then you're passive towards the person that could solve it with you. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of that was one thing I did find that really helped with that was learning more about psychology and how that kind of all plays into things like that. Um, I read a lot of um, throughout high school. One thing that really helped me develop psychologically was um, Jordan Peterson, a lot of his lectures and books, um, you know, being dangerous, but disciplined was this whole thing. Like there's like dark people out there uh, like Carl Jung, like reading some of his work too, kind of 
learning how to like incorporate the shadow like yeah like you're capable of these bad things too and like the bad people like you have the same tools and everything but you, like you have the choice to use them for good instead of bad so like you know you want to be capable of doing those things but you want to be able to have them and use them for good and everything right like the whole like well right you, only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun type thing right like they both have guns and they're both capable of like shooting people but you want to be the good guy and not the bad guy well it's a moral compass thing. yeah and it, it's something, I mean, I love Carl Jung's work yeah. and, you know, with the shadow and with, uh, you know, the subconscious, but here's something to throw out for our listeners is that if you're seeing it, it's inside of you. Yeah. It, it's that simple. Yeah. I know it's hard for people to digest when I hear people say things to me, such as everybody else is buttheads. You're probably butthead. Well, you're probably butthead. Well, yeah. let's solve your butthead problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird how people, um, I, and I started to notice, like, when people were, like, rude, like, haters and stuff like that, like, especially, like, getting, like, big on, like, social media and running, like, a podcast and doing all these different things. Like, the more you put yourself out there, the more you're exposed to things like that. And, you know, people hate on you for stupid reasons, and you start to realize that they're just reflections of their own insecurities and things like that. And that, that was one that really helped kind of dealing with issues like that because, like, wow, like, that, that didn't feel great. I'm like, oh, it's just, it's something that they're going through. And well, realizing that's not you, it's them. And then kind of learning to... Well, here's something else. So, you know, <laughs> look at it. Again, it goes back to what I said about people do business with people they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're getting a bunch of haters, instead of looking at it on social media as like, oh, my God, nobody likes me. I want their validation. Yeah. Is more look at it as that whatever you said actually got their attention. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, switching from that mindset and everything into one like that where I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I got attention. Like, that clearly, that struck a nerve with somebody. Like, that's important. Yeah, it's but important. I should press yeah. deeper. Yeah, yeah, so if I'm going to be, I mean, that's a part about being emotionally effective. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. It is good. Um, what are some ways, um, aside from learning kind of how to control our own emotions and um, realize those emotions of other people, what are some other ways we can increase our emotional intelligence so we can kind of better use it in our lives and our businesses um, and just throughout what we do kind of how, how can we work to increase that emotional intelligence? Cause some people um, are more adept at it than others. Um, but for the people who want, they, they, they realize that it's something they don't have, but they want to work on it. What's kind of step one for them. Step one, I would love to invite anywhere, anybody who's listening to this on November 15th at 4 PM, Alaska, 8 PM, uh, Eastern, I can tell time zones, yeah. is I'm doing a, a, a complimentary webinar. It's called Communicate Like a Loving Shark, and it's all about um, transforming those tough, frustrating conversations into synchronized fulfillment. So I really will be diving into more emotional intelligence and communication and uh, leadership and how to create more of a relationship economy. Yeah. So that's one way. Uh, another way is, and then let me, you can sign up at www.lovingluvingsark.com. Another way that I help people personally is they engage with me and I can help assess them, you know, through an emotional intelligence assessment. Um, that's definitely a way to, you know, see where you're exactly at. Yeah. Um, because... You, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, this is where I'm at. I got so much empathy. And then I assess them, they have zero empathy. Yeah. Um, or they say that they're great at problem solving. 
They may be mechanical problem solvers, but an emotional problem solver is a lot different. That's different. So that's another assessment, you know, way. Um, People can subscribe to my, you know, my mailing list. You can go to www.thebusinessmd.net. You can go there. Um, You know, other ways, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Daniel Goleman. Um, I love his work. I love that. Recently, I read about him that when he was releasing his first business book, you know, here's the guy who's a neurologist and his publishers, his handlers said, don't talk about emotions in the business. Yeah. Okay. So obviously this has been going on a long time. So to increase it is, you know, those are a couple of ways. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've learned a lot from Daniel Goldman. Um, but again, if people really want to, you know, books that I look at, you could look at Daniel Goldman's work. He has a few different, you know, emotional intelligence, social intelligence books that are really handy. But again, the reason why I don't necessarily say go read a book because you're only going to interpret it from the your consciousness, current, your current yeah. place. I would just encourage folks, if you're serious and if you want to know more, you, you know, get to know me a little bit more. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, you know, tools that I do have that could, if you're a serious person, a serious business owner, it doesn't yeah. matter where you're at in the United States. So it's just kind of... Um, I guess step one would just be figuring out where you're at first. Yeah, let's figure out where you're at yeah. and then and then what you need. Because from my point of view, I don't like guessing games. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of um, guessing games, kind of want to jump into how to cope with stress and anxiety as an entrepreneur. Um, it's one of the most stressful jobs I've ever had. Um, you know, we have to grapple with the constant uncertainty of markets and customers and clients. Um, as well as you know the, that personal responsibility um, and liability for everything that you do, um, which is great and everything. Um, we also have to kind of rapidly develop you know marketing and management, human resources, procurement, um, experience, training, onboarding, um, finance, QuickBooks, um, doing our taxes, things like that. Um, and it's super stressful and well, everything. Uh, well, How do we kind of I'll cope t- with? Well, I'll tell you how I do it. And this is a great recipe, okay? Now, I'm going to explain it this way, is what you feed your neurotransmitters in your brain, you know, feeds your emotional states. Yeah. Okay, it's that simple. So my diet actually is very conscientious about how I eat. Yeah. So if you want to reduce your stressors, you want to reduce your anxiety, I'm not a nutritionist, but I can tell you how the emotions work. Yeah. Is I actually do eat a lot of greens. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of fish, organic mm-hmm. fish. Yeah. I'm eating for energy. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating because, oh, that just tastes good. I'm not saying I never do. I'm not, yeah. okay, I'm not saying I never We've do. We've all been there. Okay. Yeah. But I do not intentionally eat a lot of things like sugar that is going to, you know, the business world is filled with grab and go. Yeah. Just kind of being more intentional about what you're putting in your body. I know that's one thing. That's one thing. The second thing is turn off the news. Yeah. Okay. Do not take in things that are going to be a mental diet that feeds your emotional diet that are going to make you, um, have anxiety, anxiety is yeah. future-based fear, yeah. stressed out, you're, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. Yeah. And I don't care how old you are. 
Yeah. Your blood pressure is going to be a lot higher. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Limit the amount of social media. Take it in small chunks. Now I understand we reach people, get clear about how you want to spend your day. Mm-hmm. If you want to get rid of your stressors, part of it is being clear and consistent about how you want to spend your time and who you want to be around. Yeah. All kind of comes back to just that intentionality, right? Knowing what you want, how you want to get there. Um, myself with uh, showing off the news, I think like just before I'd like, it'd be on at the gym. I'd watch at the gym and, everything or I'd hear about it or pop up my Instagram feed, things like that. And I'd watch it. And now I just, um, I would like read it every morning and be like, Oh, I wonder what's happening in the world. But yeah, I, I noticed, um, that, that mental diet is really important. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, that the amount of information that you take in and in the same way, like if you eat junk food all day, yeah. it's like conspiracy theories, right? If I sit yeah. on YouTube and I watch conspiracy theory videos all day, it's like junk food for the brain. Yeah. Like every once in a while. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting to watch a video about like, something um random and interesting or play like a video game or watch a netflix show and you know i i do it too sometimes of course who um, doesn't yeah but it's, it's junk food for your brain the whole point is like yeah like i um i eat the candy every once in a while i have like junk food for my brain every once in a while but it's being intentional with kind of promoting that mental health health like awareness well, well, and right. everything that diet for your brain the same way that you you know i i'm very conscious about what i put in my body well exactly i'm very conscious about what goes in my brain too i feel like my brain's a lot more important than my body but they're both interconnected so kind of feeding both of them properly is yeah and it's also having good boundaries yeah because if you're in like some of the things where we talked about you're going to be more stressed as a people pleaser yeah you're going to be more stressed as somebody emotionally unintelligent yeah you're going to be more stressed if you have avoidant behavior yeah it's so, that simple yeah it's literally just uh it's all emotional people. Yeah. You got to learn how to manage your manage emotions. Your emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Philosophy. Um, I hate to say like religion because um, I have issues with organized religion, but just the spirituality Me too. thing. And I've been like the Taoism. Like I don't like to assign myself to one religion, but I'm like, oh, like I agree with some things in Christianity over here, Buddhism, Taoism, all the different religions. So just having that, um, I think, yeah, the emotional intelligence and just the intentionality is super important. I mean, kind of learning how to just take that knowledge and actually apply it and use it. And Well, here's something else I'll throw on the table and then I can go on and on about these subjects because yeah. lots of things I teach people yeah. is people remember you're subject to the laws of the state of consciousness of where you're at. Yeah. So if you have anxiety and stress, you're subject to the laws. Mm-hmm. If you're clear about how you're thinking yeah. and you're connecting to people, you're subject to those laws. Yeah. So it's all just about it's mindset, really, like that emotional mindset and having that, that clarity of mind and everything. If you have a million different things buzzing in your head all at once, it's going to be really hard to have like a, a focused one-on-one conversation. Um, that's one thing that I really like about the podcast is as soon as that door shuts and everything like that, I'm, I'm here and everything's really, it's nice yeah. to have that yeah. conversation. Um, I leave my phone in the other room because um, I've brought it in previous ones and it's ringing and it's distracting, but um, yeah, just being able to kind of have that clarity and everything like a Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, um, like be like water, right? You'd be like yeah. still, or you can be fierce yeah. and you can flow and yeah. adapt. And I mean, I feel like having that emotional intelligence kind of helps yeah. you be more agile. Well, be more agile, but also yeah. people love the gift of one's presence. Yeah. I mean, how annoying is it uh, that if you're in a sales call and they're like, Hey, one more minute, 
Yeah. Oh, I gotta take this. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I got another call coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you're not into me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I don't want to. Um, speaking of time, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up. Um, so building a successful coaching business like the one Dr. West has built. Um, there's kind of being intentional. Yeah. I think just being um, knowing what you want to do with your coaching business. Um, like we touched on, definitely don't do hourly billing yeah. um, if you can avoid it. Um, some of the different ways we can increase our emotional intelligence um, at just kind of learning where you are. Yeah. Um, kind of figuring out where that, that baseline is and building upon that. Um, and then the best ways to cope with stress and anxiety as an entrepreneur are just kind of setting up those boundaries. Um, you know, it all comes back to that. Again, that intentionality. Um, being more intentional about what you put into your brain, what you put into your body, yeah. um, get some sleep, you know, who the environment that you have being yeah. very setting boundaries with your environment. Um, you know, I think that's all super important stuff to really focus on. Um, and you'll notice that when you start to change one thing like that, kind of everything else changes. Um, Especially with you know the people you surround yourself with, it's true. I mean, things that you tolerated, you won't tolerate tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you won't tolerate that. I only get to sleep three hours a night and start you know push yourself through a sixteen-hour day. Yeah. Eventually, you you make a change. Yeah, so. and you know, and eating crap food and watching the news and ready to have a heart attack. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's some solid advice, Doctor West. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nope. I just invite folks to sign up for my webinar November 15th so that you, we can dive deeper. And as I said, www.lovingshark.com. Gotcha. Well, if my listeners want to get in touch with you, um, what's one of the best ways to reach you? The best ways to reach me is to go to my website, which is www.thebusinessmd.net. And there's right on the front page, you can drop your, uh, your contact information and send me a note and say, hey, uh, you know, why don't you give me a call or, you know, set up a meeting. Awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. Once again, everyone, that was Dr. Christine West with The Business MD. And that concludes today's episode of the Boston with Rossum podcast. Congrats on listening all the way to the end. There are literally millions of podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. So thank you. Thank you. For more information on today's episode, Check out the show notes on my website at devinrawson.com. And if you liked what you heard today, the best way to support the show is to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. That was fun. I can go on and on and on.